This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex, stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on to the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I am Jack Pelzer. I am joined by Dan Hodgman. Dan, we got some volatility going on this week and the previous week. It's a new thing. What's up with that? It is. I know. It's pretty fun to watch. I mean, you saw equities dump yesterday. And I mean, you saw one of the worst days of the year so far when it comes to the Dow. And uh, and when I say yesterday, that would have been Monday, July 19th. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, July 20th. And well... A little slowdown, a little sell-off isn't stopping these things. We're back uh, back higher than where we were uh, Friday when we closed. Yeah, uh, the old bounce back right now. You're down, what, like 80 or 90 points in the uh, S&P yesterday, and uh, we're up about 70 right now as we record this. It's good to see a little back and forth. That means it's good trading time. We've seen some people have success, and that kind of segues into what we're talking about today, which is kind of how to procure your long-term success in day trading. It's a topic that we went into a little bit on the coach's playbook this week. But now that we're in this nice, comfy, one-on-one conversation through our Zoom computers across state lines, uh, I thought we could go into it a little bit more. Uh, First, before we do that, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, but is there anything just besides this volatility that you're looking out for this week? Yeah, I think we got to continue to watch crude oil. We talked about it last week. I'm going to talk about it again. We saw $7 sell-off or something like that yesterday. 7%, I should say. Big sell-off there. Not much recovery today. Headline yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, you know, top line was OPEC and allies looking to increase output, um, getting back to pre-COVID-19 levels. So you're seeing the the move lower when it comes to uh, crude oil. And I think it's something to really pay attention to. That $66 mark is going to be pretty prevalent. Uh, continue to watch that. I think we've talked about that level actually in the past. Now below that, um, if we keep trending lower like we're seeing here right now, look to see that market get down by 62 bucks. So I'll be watching crude oil pretty closely. What about you, Jack? Well, I'm kind of watching the rest of it where the crude oil is certainly interesting. And I think the big macro story in the next few months is going to be, we've talked about inflation on the podcast last week. And I would be interested to see, you talked about OPEC increasing supply. There's like this mismatch going on. There's an imbalance going on between supply and demand, those fundamental sources. And I don't think we'll have a good idea of how big inflation is a problem for us until we see some of these supply chains kind of get used to the pre-COVID levels. It's not easy. It's a very complex system, these markets. Think about all the millions and millions of stakeholders that go into, say, setting a price for crude oil, right? And when you have these massive disruptions, it's not surprising it's going to take a while for everything to get sorted out. It's not the easiest thing just to, you know, turn on a faucet and uh, get more oil. These things take time to figure out. And once we get beyond that, we'll have an idea of sort of what the real level of inflation is. So that is what I will be watching for because, you know, usually kind of the marker for there's a bunch of different products you can look at to kind of read the tea leaves on inflation. 
one of the big ones is the uh you know treasury bonds and man i'm glad i wasn't involved in uh the inflation trade there because you got hammered the yields just got hammered they sure have yesterday 10 year uh the 10-year yield went to a five-month low but today we're seeing a little bit of recovery on those finally seeing a little bit of green when it comes to these yield numbers so I'm all over the board when it comes to those yields in these treasuries right now. Um, there's a lot to process as it applies to this inflation talk. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to even make any assumptions. I'm just going to kind of trade the tape and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, me and bonds, um, I don't know if I've said it before on the show, but I feel like I traded, you know, you'll, you'll hear people who, uh, you know, quit drinking or people who had alcoholism talk about, you know, I had a set number of drinks in my life and I used them all up early. That's kind of how I feel about uh, treasury futures and <laughs> bonds. It's like between the years of 2009 and 2016, I traded enough treasury bonds for my lifetime fill. But I do look at them. And the reason you should too, even if you're not trading, is there's the old sort of saying, that uh, smart money is in the bonds. And, you know, that's a little bit classist where, you know, I don't want to make the characterized things as being smart or dumb. But what they mean by that is the treasury bond market is just ruled by institutions. You don't have a lot of retail participation in the treasury bond market. So the idea is that it should be pretty efficient and somewhat immune to, you know, you're never going to see a meme stock thing happen in the 10-year treasury, right? I mean... No, there's not enough people in the world to get involved. First off, too expensive, too much volume, which let's talk about that for a little bit of sure. a second here. I mentioned volume. You know, 10-year yield is one of the highest traded futures products in the entire world. Volume-wise surpasses everything. If not the, right? I mean, like you'll get... On I, a, I believe it. I believe it is number one. Like, Two million contracts a day, uh, decent day. Let me look at it right now. We're at two. We're at one point nine seven million um, with an hour left to trade here today. I still got it, Dan. And today's got to be a pretty busy day because the volatility's been moving. Exactly. You know, and you got S and P's huge numbers there, million and a half. That's a huge day for the S and P's. You know, just giving perspective here, and then then you get the Nasdaq with the introduction of the micros. The E-mini NASDAQ has really lost a lot of volume. So, you know, you used to see six, seven, eight hundred thousand contracts in a day over in the NASDAQ. Um, that's actually down pretty drastically. And today's a big day at 450,000 contracts so far. So just for perspective, you hear everyone talk about S&P and NASDAQ, yet Treasury 10-year note is still blowing them out of the water volume-wise. Well, it's such a fascinating market. And we'll move over eventually to some of our long-term trading tips. But I think that this is something that people might find interesting. I mean, the treasury bond market's kind of where it's at in a lot of ways when you think of, I mean, everything touches it because it's kind of the default risk-off trade for people don't like to just let money sit around. You're always trying to earn something on it. So uh, you know, a lot of places kind of use it as their default risk off cash. You have people hedging mortgages, you have sovereign wealth funds, you have banks. I mean, there's just so many things going on there and you'll see huge moves like especially, you know, those those mortgage things will really when you see mortgage rates change, you'll see some pretty wild hedging moves in those uh, 
and a 30-year bond and things like that. So just an important thing to look at. And your long-term success, maybe that's uh, those are markets that you, you look to graduate into, you know, as we transition this into talking long-term. Oh, yeah. Because I think if you understand that market, I think it's probably one of the harder, if not the hardest markets to understand are the bond markets because there's so much, there's so much math and there's so much, you know, they're putting out new bonds every month and they all have different coupons and there's all sorts of weird things you can do with the spreads between the futures and what's the cheapest to deliver and things like that. That was a huge thing. I mean, cheapest deliver is a huge idea in bonds. I won't go into it too much here, but it's something you don't even think about in uh, most of these other products retail people would be trading, right? Right. And, you know, you think about it like treasuries, they're not, a, it's not a product people are just outright trading the futures on. It's it's not that style of product. You, you mentioned spreads, you're doing calendar spreads on it. You're trading the yield spread on it as well. And then you're maybe hedging yourself with it. The options it's one of the last remaining option pits in the world um, outside of Euro dollar options, I believe is still there. And so is the, uh, the 10 and 30 and five year option pits as well. Um, those are some of the last remaining pits. And I actually spoke uh, with some people recently still down in there and um, they're seeing massive volume coming in on a daily basis still into these option pits. So it is, uh, it's, a, it's a quite an interesting uh, market just in general. Yeah, maybe maybe next week or down the line, we'll do a whole like little special on uh, treasuries or b- bonds because I find it interesting. And honestly, I probably need to brush up at some point because I've kind of avoided them besides as an economic indicator. But for most of you out there, if you're not trading bonds or whatever you're trading, there are some things that transcend every product. And we talk a lot about risk management and capital allocation and things like that. We thought today like we'd start kind of the same thing we did on Playbook and talk a little bit about Dan, you kind of came up with the idea of sort of you know, what did you call it long-term something for day trading? It was building long-term success for day trading and and any trading really. Um it doesn't have to be specifically day trading, it's investing. Really it comes down to one of the keys to being successful long-term in the industry is not just risk management, but your account management, your money management, and really trying to ensure you're growing over time. Yes. And I think that gets overlooked a lot. So why don't we start in that area of talking a little bit about account management and sort of the way that we look at um, you know, risk and withdrawals from that standpoint. For sure. I mean, um, let's. I'll let you lead off. Man. Yeah, let's let's kind of start. You know, put it in uh, a simple terms that anyone can really understand, right? You, trading is a business. Um, we're all in this. We're treating this as a business. Hell, a lot of us even are trading under LLCs, and it is technically, you know, a company. It's a limited liability company. That's your business, and you're trying to grow a business. Well, how do you do that? You know, growth is one of the key things to being successful in business, and you want to be able to do that in trading. You want to grow these accounts. There's going to be expenses. There's going to be times you're going to take money out. Uh, you want to pay yourself too. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I was in trade. I was in trading not for the money. I'm 100% here for the money. I love the money. I also love the passion. I love the technicals. I love understanding markets. I love you know that uh, competition with myself within it. But really, it comes down to how do I grow these accounts in a smart manner? And 
a lot of times I think traders get into this and they're looking for that quick buck, um, especially new guys coming into this. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? You want to pay yourself, uh, but you want to do it properly. You want to be in this in the right perspective. You want to start to grow these accounts. So the prime example, I like to just put round numbers out there, you know, kind of paint the picture. And let's just say you have an account and you have $10,000 in that account. That's awesome. It's phenomenal. Um, whether you grew it to that or that's where you started, let's use 10,000 as our base number. $10,000 in everyday life, it changes things for a lot of people. That's a lot of money. What can you do with that money? Well, you can pull it out. You can, you know, go pay off some bills. You can take your family on a vacation. Great. Um, but that's like that short-term um, happiness, uh, short-term excitement, short-term fleeting. What's that? Fle- fleeting happiness. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not there. Uh, yeah. you're going to, you're going to have fun for a little bit, but then you, it's over and you have to start back over. And as a trader, the last thing I ever want to do is put myself in a position where I have to start back over just because one little thing I wanted to do, you know, take the trip to Hawaii. Well, let's take our time building up to that trip to Hawaii. So if we have 10,000 in our account, please take some money out. Um, I'm going to sit here and say, if that's your number, uh, you don't want to take 50% of that. You don't want to take you know much more than 15% of that. You want to continue to grow these accounts. And every step you take forward, you're not taking one back. And you don't want to continue to come back to that starting point. You want to build these accounts up to a benchmark number, an idea of where I'm pretty comfortable having this amount of money in my account. And I'm going to trade around that. And when I get much greater than that, I'm going to try and bring it back down. But you want to continue to grow. That's what we're all here to do. Growth, whether it's trading or in any sort of business, the key is growth. Um, That's what people are looking for. And so you want to continue to grow these accounts. Let's say you take that $10,000 account, you move it to $15,000. Congratulations. That's awesome. Now, ask yourself, do you want to go back to $10,000 and start back over? No, you don't. You, you want to continue to grow this account and maybe you take out $1,500 or $2,000 and now you have $13,000. you are not starting back over because when you decide to take too much out, you're essentially just starting back over. If you're going to push yourself right back to that same starting point, you're in this to continue to grow. So you keep building this account, then you're just going to allow you opportunity to size up a little bit. Um, you start to look at the markets a little bit differently because you have cushion and people tell me, or people have different opinions on this and I can respect both sides of the aisle. But like I said, you know, I'm in this for the money. I'm here to continue to grow. And as I build my accounts, I'm okay giving my, taking a little bit more risk. I know my, you know, swings are going to be a little bit bigger. And as long as you can mentally control that, that's an okay thing to have. Yeah. As long as you're still disciplined with your risk as you size up. Because I agree with what you're saying. Like ultimately, I mean, I think people are a little bit cheeky sometimes when they say that they're into, you know, trading for, you know, purely reasons of challenge. The money's a huge part of it. If they paid me money to go out and golf, I would probably do that instead of trading. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, uh, you did say you were the club pro for tennis, right? That you got oh, paid, tennis. you get to play, you got paid to play tennis. Well, yeah, I I got paid. So like, this is what I was in high school and like the beginning of a college. I got paid like 10 to 15 bucks an hour, or, like 20 or 30 bucks for private <laughs> lessons. But like, I wasn't getting paid like, you know, I, I, it Wimbledon, I think at like a $10 million purse or something. I wasn't right. getting that right. money. But most things that most people do, 
you got to work at if you're getting compensated for them, right? And I completely agree with what you're saying about having an account and basically you should always be putting money back. It's like running a business. If your expected return, if you're actually consistently making returns, you'll want to keep money in there. The caveat is, and why we tell people to pay themselves, is you got to not push so hard that you're really going to damage yourself. You got to be disciplined in how much you're willing to draw down. And so the example that I gave on Coach's Playbook, which I can go a little bit more into, is I'm fine leaving a decent amount of you know money in a trading account because I feel confident that I'm disciplined enough to to liquidate when things like the example I gave on there was well we see way too many people in the combine I think new traders they'll go out and lose like half their account in a day and since I left the firm and like I have my own trading account I was saying like the worst drawdown I've taken. It wasn't in a day. It was over the course of like a couple weeks or a month. And to give the framing of this, I think I said on the coach's playbook, I got absolutely roasted. Like this was, I I had a thesis. I was 100% wrong and it just blew up in my face. And I think my drawdown from that was, it was two trades like that were kind of the same thesis and I lost 10% of account on one, five on the other. So I lost, I drew down 15%. That's as much as I ever want to lose from where I'm at. And you could be a little different depending where your money is, but that's the way you got to think. I mean, these 30, 40, 50, then you're just like slinging from the hips. You shouldn't put yourself and to show you like, I'll, I'll, I'll say the position too, because it's in the past. I was, and we talk about how when you make a little bit of money, it's a always a bad moment for the future. Mm-hmm. I was short Tesla. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was short Tesla and I was long, long term. Like So this was to set the stage so you guys don't think I'm just like an idiot out there is this is after the markets came like roaring back from the COVID stuff. And I thought we were a little bit out over our skis. So I had some pretty long term. They would have been like a year out or something like that, 3,300 SPX puts, right? So my thought being like, this isn't going to go above the old high right away, is it? At this point, there's no vaccine, no anything. The other one was Tesla. It's made some money before short again, and it exploded and it stopped. And then it was like an absolute disaster where it was like on three consecutive days, I would just wake up and it's like, oh my God, it's up another 20% in the overnight. Uh, how's this going? Um, but once again, I was hedged to some extent and I knew and I'm like, I am not going to lose any more money on that, which is good because I think I got out when Tesla was at like non-split adjusted. I think I got out when it was like a 2,500 or, but like it went, well, maybe let me think about this. No, no, no I got out way before that. It eventually went up pre-split to... 4,500, I think, right? It got to close to 900 with the five after, after the five to one split. After the split, I believe it did. So here's the thing. Like, let's say I got out of 2,500. Like, that's just the idea of how bad things can get. You can't just wait out trades sometimes because they can always get way worse. But if you have that discipline to get out, did it suck? Yeah. Like, I did not at all <laughs> appreciate losing that money. It makes you feel mildly better that I didn't blow up my account. Because if I had stayed in, that's what would have happened. I would have blown up, blown up an account. And first off, 
sorry you had to deal with the take that loss. I mean, it sucks when it happens, but you think about it, you're looking at it in a percentage of 15%. Let's go back to talking about some of these traders with an account of five, ten thousand dollars And if they were to risk 15% versus that 50% you'd see on a regular basis, um, you, you want to really keep those percentages in mind because as you grow, you know, that you can maintain the same percentage, but you're able to see greater reward, um, still have some sort of, you know, increase your risk a little bit, but the more time you spend in it, I feel like the longer I've traded, the tighter and tighter my risk gets in everything I do. And yeah, so it'll be something you'll start to recognize as a trader, as you continue to build, your risk is going to limit. So Jack, I want to ask you a question. You were at a prop. You've been at the prop firms before. You did it for a long time. Mm -hmm. If you're at your prop firm, you've got a trade on and you lose 15% of that account. How do they react? Oh God, that would not be good. I got it. So it operates, it operates a little bit differently. I guess I would have to measure it versus my equity because we don't, when you work at a prop firm, I don't know how yours necessarily work, Dan, but it's, it's different than just having like an account. So the firm overall, whatever the positions were on at the whole firm in aggregate, they were taking care of the margin and stuff. So we didn't have to worry about that. What I would be worried about is how much, you know, what's my number on the year that I'm up and how much equity am I holding at the firm? And that can carry over from year to year. So if I lost 10% of my equity in a day that is something that could happen but that would be a very that would be a bad day like no thoughts about that that would be i've hit my puke limit for the day puke limit being just so you know like when you're trading for a firm you do have that extra accountability of you know we talk about discipline around stops for the day if you're at a firm you don't even have to worry about it as much because they'll do it for you. Uh, they're gonna you have you have levels of which you have to get out. You do, and yeah. And the reason I ask is because I think about it. You know, going back to my days at the firms, I had one double digit losing day, percentage wise, and I had a forced vacation. Um, I was told to take uh, take a week off to get away mm -hmm. from there in a not so nice way. I was told to do that. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I got an extreme ash chewing over having that loss. And the the thing is, it's manageable, right? You know, going into it when you're taking that heat, it's that if you have the discipline, you can trade out of that and you can avoid those drastic issues. Growing an account by 10%, whether you're, you have $10,000 or you have $100,000, 10% is a huge number. And we don't want to be thinking about each and every day, my goal is to make 10%. Your, your goals is to make small percentages. So let's say you do have that $10,000 account. If you can grow that account by 1% to 2% on a regular basis daily, you have opportunity really long-term in this. If you're looking for those big 15, 20, 30% moves, no matter what size account you're trading, you're going to really struggle and it's going to shorten your timeline of when you're going to be or how long you'll be able to trade. And that's the last yeah. thing you want, whether you're trading for yourself, you're trading for a prop firm, you're trading here at Top Step and on our funded accounts. Like we're all in this to be successful long-term, both you and the person providing you capital, right? 
you go to a prop firm, when they provide you with capital, when you get hired, they're making an investment into you. And your job is to make it a worthwhile investment. Otherwise, they're not going to want you there. If they're not making money because of you, it makes no sense for them. It's a poor investment. They're going to drop you and say, get on, get out of here. We're going to find the next guy. So everywhere you go, there is both sides. You have to recognize both sides of the aisle. And if you're pro- providing that capital for yourself, you're investing in yourself to be successful. And how do you do that? Well, it's small incremental growth over time. It's not seeing, I, I don't know many traders that are going to sit there and go, you know, I'm expecting 285% return this year. Well, that, that's an aggressive number. Now, some traders, they might trade, maintain an account with like 250 grand. They're big time guys. Yeah, they're going to see those bigger 100%, 200, 300, 400% returns on the year, but they're not taking all that cash, right? They're setting it aside for drawdowns. They're setting it aside for small when they need to reinvest in themselves or they put on a bigger position um, because they have that strong thesis that Tesla's going to break and maybe they put a little bit more into it. But it's really important to think small and incremental growth if you want to be successful long-term. Yeah. Like the example you mentioned, I mean, if you made, this would be impossible, I guess, but if you made 2% a week on your account in one year, you would have close to tripled your account. I mean, it, when, when you break things down, what what will kill you isn't the big, this has been my experience. What limits you is not what you make, it's what you lose. Um, it messes up your percentages. Like we said, like if you added, let's say not 2% a week, but if you had one, you know, 50% drop in there, well, then that completely kills however long you'd have to go to get it back. The big losses are, I think, the avoidable thing that trips people up. Like if you're consistently losing money, like a little bit of money every week, I, I, I'm not sure if I've even <laughs> seen this, but you're just like consistently losing a little bit a week and just like driving to the ground. Well, then you're in a situation where your strategy or whatever you're doing is just just wrong. And maybe this isn't for you or maybe you something radically not good is going on. But I think everyone out there can avoid the big down day. I mean, if you go out there, I mean, there might be some slippage or some things outside your control. But if you say, I'm not going to lose more than 15% of my account, that's doable. I 100% agree. Very doable. And anyone that's starting, whether you're getting into this, right? I think there's a lot of traders out there listening to us that are relatively new in this or have only been in it for a little bit. The $100 day, a $200 day really isn't that big shiny object that we're all looking for, right? But I want to put some numbers into perspective. If you can average, not saying that every day you're going to make $100 on the nose, but if you can average over one year of trading, about $100 a day in your positive overall, if you can average $100 a day. So that's saying, let's just you know use the the numbers, you, you make 200 in, on your up days, you lose 100 on your down days, and across the board, you average $100 winning every single day. Just kind of throwing out the, the 100 mark because it's easy math. You're trading one lots. Um, that's two points in the S&P 500. If you can do that over one year, that's a $20,000 year. That's a really great start for anyone getting into this, in my opinion, because it's not easy to be profitable 
So you first got to create the consistency and sustainability of your account, then you can grow it. If you can do a hundred bucks a day, it's $20,000 a year. I know everyone in the world would be very content making an extra 20 grand a year. And then that's get where it gets scalable. Yeah. And you, you need that. I think a lot of people expect to be profitable if you try it now. I think people need to remember too that index futures are a completely zero sum game, right? I mean, they're cash settled, right? Every dollar you make is taken from, from the person on the other side of that trade, right? Not everyone can be profitable. It's a very hard industry for that reason, right? I mean, you can't, no matter what you try and do, that math is immutable at the end of it. Half the money gets lost, half the money gets made. And maybe there's some areas as far as you could take advantage. And that's where strategy comes into play. I mean, maybe there's areas where you have a competitive advantage where you know you take advantage of people hedging or stuff like that. But you can't expect, you know, making a little bit of money. That's a great start. It's so important to manage that expectations from the beginning. I think so many people, when they start trading, they want to replace their current job. Just a great goal. And I stand by that 100%. I love that idea. A couple things to keep in mind. First off, in your first couple of years, you might flounder. It'll be good to be scratch. And that's okay. Um, you're learning, you're developing, and you're experiencing. And if you can end you know, your first year scratch, I would say that's a success, right? You're still trading after one year. Congratulations. That's phenomenal. Now we can grow from there. You created sustainability. Now we can work on profitability. Don't come in with the expectation, all right, I'm going to spend a few months learning this and then I expect to make what my salary is. Well, there's a lot more expenses involved in trading than you know, you're know. you just covering your salary. You, you got health insurance. Um, you got all the benefits that you're getting maybe from your other job. You also have to think about those taxes involved with trading. Everyone's going to be a little bit different in how you do it and how you're structured and your accountant's going to be able to help you out with that. But there's so many more costs involved than just covering that salary. So don't come into it rushing. If you can start to create just some profitability and be consistent in that profitability, that's when you're going to be able to scale this business. Because, right, that's what every business wants, Jack, is build something that's scalable. If it's not scalable these days, it's not worth doing. Well, I got an idea, Dan. Why don't we talk about the kind of cost of trading and some things about that next week I as we go topic. into it? I like, I like that topic. It'd be a good one for uh, everyone to get a load of. But uh, in the meantime, our time is up, about up here. This seems to have flown by because the last thing I, I throw out as we go into the conclusion here is you make those smaller mistakes, right? You make the 10, 15%, learn from it. I know when I talked about the trade I made last year that it was not good. I learned some things in the process just from following, looking at sort of how the options were setting up and learn some things that I think led me to make some much better trades going forward in the next year. So, you know, manage, control the level of your mistakes as much as you can and then learn from them. And then, uh, as I said, if you can survive in this and you can manage and kind of grind out, that's a great place to be. And like, you'll get better, but it's a tough game, man. So... If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, go out there, do some hard work. But, uh, you know, it's Thursday afternoon. It's almost the weekend. Dan, thanks for joining. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk some brokerage costs. Thanks for this topic. Had a lot of fun. Passionate Hope you're doing one. well. 
passionate one. So uh, I'm going to go uh, cool down <laughs> a little bit now. Now I got riled up and uh, hope you all have a great weekend. And as we like to say, we sign off this show. Namaste and trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.